Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, December 15th, 2015. Going to be wrapping up the lecture part of um, our study, our series that we've been doing on hearing the voice of God. And we'll start to make the turn into uh, some lab work. I'll explain in a minute. Tuning in, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down. Stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical Far from biblical, far from what God's Word says, and it's just a general mess out there. Now, you've noticed we've switched up how we do things here at Fighting for the Faith as it relates to the podcast. In fact, overall, the goal, again, like I said last week, was to get the podcast and the YouTube channel to work together. That's the idea. And so uh, with the exception of, like, the Prophecy Bingo segments, we're going to really do our best to make sure that the audio from our YouTube segments make it to the podcast in one form or another. And so today is no different. What we're going to be doing today is we're going to be listening to the audio from the YouTube video that we released today. And the uh, YouTube video is the last of the lecture bits as it relates to hearing the voice of God in the series. And we'll already be, and then already before the end of it, we're going to make our turn into uh, some lab work and doing some, you know, real case study kind of stuff here. Is this the voice of God that I'm hearing from this person? How would I know otherwise? You know, uh, that, that kind of stuff. And then tomorrow on the podcast, we will be listening to Rick Warren's and we will be reviewing the entirety of Rick Warren's, uh, 2015 sermon from the, uh, uh, uh from the Hillsong Conference on hearing the voice of God. We're going to review it in its entirety, and that's a a podcast-only thing. But you'll note that at fightingforthefaith.com, if you want to follow along via video, you will have that opportunity. So those of you listening on audio right now on the audio podcast, head on over to fightingforthefaith.com, and you can see all of our new episodes of Fighting for the Faith in video. So if you want to see the teaching itself, you are welcome to do that. Follow along. And so we, we've enhanced the uh, the offering, if you would. And then we'll, we'll see. On Thursday, what we'll do is uh, we will do the Erwin McManus sermon review on the podcast. And then on Friday, we'll end the, end the week off with an interview with Stephen Kozar regarding dichotomy or trichotomy. Is is man uh, body and soul or is man body, spirit, and soul? You know, we'll take a look at that, especially as it relates to how the uh, the word of faith heresy uh, depends on trichotomy, and when you take a look at the biblical case for it, it ain't so hot. That's just the way I'm going to put it. So that will be uh, this week's installments of Fighting for the Faith. So let's get 
to it. Uh, here is the uh, audio from today's YouTube video on tying up the loose ends on hearing the voice of God. Here we go. Uh, let me whirl up the desktop and uh, let's get our uh, web browser up and running. And uh, and here again is Henry Blackaby. Now, have, have any of you been in a church where somebody has said, well, Scripture teaches us that uh, God's going to speak to us in a still, small voice? No, actually, Scripture doesn't teach that at all. So we're going to hear Blackaby give a version of that teaching, and we'll take a look at the text in question from 1 Kings. And uh, and see if it says that God is going to speak to us in a still small voice. Remember, Elijah is an actual prophet of God, Old Testament prophet of God, uh, and uh, he's called as a prophet. That being the case, uh, we would expect things to happen for Elijah that don't happen for you and I. Uh, you know, like for instance, I'm incapable of uh, being fed by ravens. <laughs> Yeah, how could you know? So, you know, we'll kind of show you how the logic works on that. I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> Consider that to be something of a, a theological spoiler alert. All right, so here's Blackaby and talking again from this lecture on recognizing the voice of God. See if you've heard uh, some teaching akin to this. You remember that passage in 1 Kings when uh, God was talking to Elijah? Yep. And he put him up in a cleft of a rock, and yep, it 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 says very clearly uh, from First Kings nineteen. I might, uh, if I got it marked here, he says, uh, verse nineteen, chapter nineteen, verse eleven. He notice he's starting well into this portion of the story here. Uh, you know, this is out of context for sure. said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after that, after the fire, a still, small voice. Right, indeed. That, I mean, you could, in, in Hebrew, you could translate it as a low whisper. You could translate it that way. And then Elijah received a clear word. You're to go and anoint a king... He is a prophet of God, you know. And you're to go and anoint Elisha, who shall take your place. And he did. Yeah, that's right. And Elijah was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire, but he had already anointed Elisha. All right, so we'll, we'll note one of the other details. Elijah was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. And Elisha did incredible miracles when he took his place. But that direction for Elijah came in a still, small voice. Low whisper, really. Have you taken that one seriously for your own life? Uh, what? Okay, now, let's talk about what the problem here is. It, when you understand this distinction, you will get it. So, when we talk about Scripture, all right, uh, there are historical narratives, um, and in historical narratives, oftentimes there will be clear didactic instruction. This is teaching. Uh, but uh, what ends up happening is, is that men like Blackaby and others, they take what is called a descriptive text and turn it into a prescription. So let me let me demonstrate this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to duplicate this tab, all right? And uh, we're going to go f further back in the story. So Elijah appears in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As Yahweh the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except for by my word. 
So this is a descriptive text. And what men like Blackaby do is they turn it into a prescription. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh, some of the other details of uh, of this account, and I'm going to ask the same question that Blackaby asked. So let me let me go back to Blackaby and listen again to his question. And add ten seconds here. For Elijah came in a still small voice. Have you taken that one seriously for your own life? All right. So God spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. Have you taken that one seriously for your life? Well, let's let's see if that works with the other details. All right, so depart from here, turn eastward, hide yourself in the brook Kerith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So when he did, he did according to the word of Yahweh. He went and lived by the brook Kerith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Have you taken this passage seriously for your life regarding the ravens bringing you bread and meat every morning for you to eat? Have you taken this seriously? You sit there and go, you knucklehead. <laughs> That's that, nowhere in here is it promising me that God's going to feed me with ravens, with bread and meat every morning. Uh, and even if he did, I'd kind of think, yeah, get a cleaner animal to, to bring the food. But see, here's the thing. This is a descriptive text, not a prescription. So when God speaks to Elijah, you'll note that God speaks to Elijah throughout his prophetic ministry. He is, after all, a prophet of God. That being the case, what what ends up happening is the people say, you need to hear the voice of God. Oh, they'll go say, oh, well, look at that text in, in uh, 1 Kings 19. God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. So he's going to sp- speak to you in a still, sp- small voice. No, it, using the same logic, I should also expect God to feed me with bread and meat every morning delivered by ravens. That's not how this text works. So when you read the scriptures, you have to make a distinction between descriptions and prescriptions. Descriptions and prescriptions. There's a there's a joke that uh, that uh, has been running around the church for years, decades, really. And I've even heard Rick Warren use it, where you know if you can mishandle God's word, you know by you know Oh Lord, speak to me, and then you take your Bible and close your eyes and you flip over the page and it's, and put your finger down, and your finger lands on the phrase Judas went and hung himself. <laughs> You sit there. Well, the, that's not much of a word from God. So you do it again. Oh Lord, speak to me. And so you close your eyes and you open up your Bible to a random place. You put your finger down and it and it says, "Go thou and do likewise." You see, that's not the voice of God. God would never tell you to undo yourself, but you get the idea. But the same principles in play here. This is not a prescription. This is not a prescription that you need to take this seriously. God spoke to Elijah. Uh, using a still small voice, so you need to take this seriously. That's nonsense. Uh, taking it seriously means paying attention to the text itself. It's not a prescription. This is a historical narrative description of the life of Elijah. Now, again, I point out that does not mean that there are not uh, prescriptions in historical narratives. There clearly are, but you have to pay attention to the context. So let's take a look at the story of Elijah. And if you're familiar with this account, then you'll note that First uh, Kings 19 follows right on the heels of God showing up miraculously on the on Mount Carmel. So in 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 uh in 1 Kings 18 you have the account of the prophets of Baal and uh you know and on Mount Carmel a big showdown and God answers the prayer of Elijah answers by fire and then all the prophets of Baal are put to death. And um you would note then that the prophets of Baal, these were all the servants of Jezebel. That's the right way to kind of talk about that lady's name. The the princess of Baal, that's what that means in Hebrew, Jezebel. You know, if you ever want to know what Jezebel means, it, it's really kind of Jezebel. That's really the idea, and she's the princess of Baal. Anyway, uh, the, all of those false prophets of Baal ate at her table. They were there at her uh, request. And Ahab, her husband, goes and reports back to Jezebel what had happened on Mount Carmel. And rather than saying, oh, wow, we, we're, we're worshiping a false god. We need to repent and believe in Yahweh. That's not what happens. 
So here's here's what it says in 1 Kings 19. This is in the aftermath of Mount Carmel. So Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Uh, apparently she didn't repent in sackcloth and ashes after the the real God showed up. So then he was afraid. Yeah, and, and rightly so. You know, when you have uh, a head of state out to kill you, uh, they have resources and can generally pull that off without much effort. So he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left a servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. So you're going to note here, kind of in the types and shadows, uh, Elijah has now left the promised land and he's back out in the wilderness. Where is he going to end up going? Right back to Mount Sinai, uh, which is in Arabia, by the way. Ephesians says that. Anyway, so he went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree. He asked that he might die, saying, it's enough. Now, O Yahweh, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down, and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Rise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake of uh, cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Huh, he's being miraculously fed in the wilderness. Hmm. You kind of get the themes, right? So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of Yahweh came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great. Now, I'm going to use Blackaby's logic again. Well, here it says that God miraculously fed Elijah with a cake of bread and water in the wilderness. Have you taken this text seriously for yourself? (laughs) When you do that, it doesn't work. You, You get the idea. So he rose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that food. Forty days, 40 nights. Hmm, how long was Israel in the wilderness? Well, they were punished for an extra 40 years after they'd been out there. Yeah, you get the idea. This is invoking imagery of uh, of the wilderness wanderings of uh, of the Israelites. And Horeb, the mountain of God, that's also uh, Mount Sinai, to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave, lodged in it. Behold, the word of Yahweh came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for Yahweh, the God of hosts, Savah in Hebrew, is armies, the God of armies, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before Yahweh. Behold, Yahweh passed by in a great And strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before Yahweh. But Yahweh was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But Yahweh was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. Yahweh was not in the fire, and after that, after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. The ESV, I think, gets it right here. And uh, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for Yahweh, the God of armies. And uh, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And Yahweh said to him, Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, Jehu the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be the king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Ebel-Mehaloah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place, and the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees, that have not bowed to Baal in every mouth that has not kissed him. So God has promised to leave a remnant also. Notice, he was he was really thinking, he, this is it, he's the last of the last, and uh, he, he can't go on. And so God has promised a remnant in the midst of all this. But all that being said, this is a descriptive text. It is not a prescription. So nowhere do you see in this text or any other that you are to seek the still small voice of God speaking to you like it spoke to Elijah. No text says that. The scriptures are clear. The voice of God is heard in the Bible. 
It is heard in the prophetic words of the Old Testament and the apostolic words of the New, and together they comprise the prophetic scriptures. This is the prophetic voice that we are to hear in all scriptures. God breathed, it's profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. There is no good work that Christ is going to call you to that the scriptures are insufficient to prepare you for. So all of that being said, that's kind of our loose end. And, uh, you know, glad we got that one on the table because I think the teaching on hearing the voice of God would be incomplete if we didn't cover that. So all that being said, let, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of, uh, now we've done a lot of lecture work. Let's do some more lab work, shall we? So here let's uh, go to uh, Robert Henderson. Robert Henderson recently spoke on December 4th down in San Diego in uh, Southern California. And uh, San Diego, dude, it's come on. There's like surfing stuff, you know. Anyway, <laughs> so it's uh, down in San Diego, the fire and the glory outpouring. And we've covered this train wreck. This is uh, something that is totally endorsed by Shayon and his wife in the NAR. This is a full-on NAR, false prophecy, false teaching, false signs, false wonders, extravaganza. And uh, and so they are, uh, here's Jeremy Nelson. He's going to be introducing Robert Henderson. And we've covered Robert Henderson in the past. Um, in, uh, in the archives of Fighting for the Faith, you can look for Robert Henderson – uh, and like, uh, uh, lie, I click the button. Anyway, you can look for Robert Henderson, and it you know you'll find Robert Henderson lawsuits in the courts of heaven. We do a whole episode showing that he claims that God gave him a revelation of how we can file lawsuits in the court of heaven. Utterly absurd, way beyond scripture. No biblical text says this, and so the, I, I throw this into the mix. Watch the video if you haven't already. Uh, if you're sitting there going, well, maybe God's talking to him. No, 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 no. God's not talking to him. This, this, this guy's not bringing us the voice of God. So, uh, and if you want to see the, uh, the full teaching without my commentary, you go to the It's Supernatural Network and, and uh, look for Expediting Your Prayers from the Courts of Heaven by Robert Henderson. Again, a teaching nowhere found in Scripture. And uh, in, I think in that regard, it would probably be a good idea to circle back and remind us all of what Second John says, starting at verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. All right, so there's deceivers out there. And he says, then watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone, and it notice that, everyone, pass, all, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And where do we find the teaching of Christ? In the Scripture. So the one who does not abide in it goes on beyond it. The Scripture says, the Apostle John, the guy, the disciple whom Jesus loves, says that person does not have God. He's a deceiver. Don't Listen to him. So let's uh, let's go then to uh, Robert Henderson, and we'll look at kind of like a you know kind of a standard light charismatic claim to hearing the voice of God, and see if there's any reason to believe that this guy's truly hearing the voice of God, and um, and we'll test the way he handles the scripture along the way. Here we you go. You guys ready to learn some keys to get some knowledge to enter into the glory tonight? Get some keys to enter into some knowledge to get the glory. See, already we're off to a bad start. There are no keys to enter the... What are you talking about? The Bible doesn't talk about any of this. <laughs> Already, this is a voice of God fail. And the thing is, you should you are required by God, according to the Scriptures, to know your Bible well enough to be able to say, that ain't the voice of God. You see, the problem here is these folks don't know their Bible, and they think they're hearing the voice of God, where if they would actually read and study their Bibles, they'd say, yeah, no, that ain't the voice of God. Well, listen, I'm going to invite Robert Henderson to come on up and to preach and bring the word. He's also going to receive uh, tonight's offering. But give him a hand as, as he comes, you guys. And, and listen, get your hearts ready to receive. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Thank you. You can be seated. Lord bless you. Uh, it's good to see all of you in the room and all the guys that are online. Now, we're not even going to go into the deep part of his teaching. We're just going to look at the intro. It should be obvious 
This guy is not bringing us the voice of God. And uh, I would note here, that's what we call a closed Bible. Now, he's got an iPad underneath it. I mean, I mean, he should turn. If somebody's going to actually bring you a biblical teaching, that requires them to either turn on their iPad and open to a biblical text and begin with a biblical text or to open their analog Bible and say, open up to or turn to passage so-and-so and let's read out what it says in the Word of God. That's not where he's going to go. Uh, it's good to uh, have everybody come and be a part. You know, I was sharing this, this just briefly this morning when we talked um, that uh, back in, in um, February, March, we all became televangelists. We all speak to everybody online now. And so remembering to include those guys that are a part and that are connected there. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, and so uh, it's always a great honor to come and get to be a part of what's going on here in San Diego with Jeremy Miranda and the whole crew here. So, Father, we just want to ask that you would just bless this time tonight. We just want to ask for your majesty and your glory to be unveiled. Lord, your word says that... that we want your glory to be unveiled. That would pretty much run everybody off if that happened. The glory of the Lord will come in such a way that all flesh together shall see it. And we just It ain't happening in San Diego, man. Just saying. I ask that that would be a reality and that you would your purposes, your intent would be served, Father, even in these meetings and even in these times that you would empower us, Lord, that truly as Jeremy said, there would be an empowering of a generation, Lord, to the empowering of a generation. You can hear some of his wacky, wonky, non-biblical theology being voiced and verbalized in his prayer. Your will done, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I, I wore my, my most pale coat that I could find that I carried with me today. I, love, I actually love this coat. I actually love this coat because I get so many compliments, but that's not really the reason I wear it. All right, so we got something of an open Bible here. I wear it because I love it. <laughs> so, um, and, and plus when you got white hair. And then he walks away from it. Notice he's uh, not in it right now. This isn't great. This is I mean, it li really it looks like his bookmark is like, it's either got to be Genesis 1 or like the table of contents. White. Just in case you didn't know, this is white, and you got white hair, then you can wear black with his blue coat, and man, you're going to look good anywhere you go. <laughs> so, oh, you don't have to do that. Oh, go, go ahead. But, <laughs> no, no, really. Uh, you know, I want to just t take just a couple of moments here, or probably more than a couple. You know, something happened to me back about... All right, now, watch what he... So what is he starting off with? Not a biblical text, a an experience. Already, red flags should be going off. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. The job of a pastor, the job of a preacher is to preach the word. If you're going to teach me something meaningful about the one true God or Jesus Christ, you're going to need a biblical text to pull that off. And where does he go first? An experience. Two weeks before the COVID thing hit, I was praying one morning, and you know, you spend time with the Lord, you're seeking the face of God, you're fellowshipping with the Father, all that, and then, and, and you know, you're always just trying to sense and hear, but then there's times when He speaks to you, and it just shocks you, and this was one of those times. Was, now, I gotta, ha I have to ask a question at this point. What evidence is there to believe this man has heard the voice of God outside of the Bible. I see none. Is there any evidence already to say that wasn't God speaking to him, which is going to limit down our options? Our options are going to be he's mentally ill, he's demonized, or he is a flat-out flagrant liar those are your real those are really your only options at this point if there's a fourth i'm not really aware of it but the one thing i can tell you based upon the work we've already done uh where this guy claims that god showed him how to file lawsuits in the court of heaven which goes well beyond anything written in scripture in fact things that are in that teaching of his contradict the word of god 
the, under no circumstance can I believe that this man's hearing the voice of God. So when you don't begin in a biblical text, you begin with an experience and you start spinning yards and, and talking about, oh yeah, I heard the voice of God. And, it, and it's such a, um, a blase kind of thing, you know. So there I was, you know, I was like outside, you know, I was pulling weeds in my garden and stuff and like the Lord talked to me, you know, and I was thinking like, wow, God, you know, I'm kind of busy here right now, you know, uh, could you like wait until after I get inside the house and like can clean up a little bit? And, you know, and, and when they start talking like this, um, there's nothing like this in scripture, nothing. When God speaks, it's a memorable uh, one that is uh, can be quite startling, um, and and so we've got a problem here. This guy claims to be able to speak conversationally to God, and we know by doing a theological audit on his previous teachings, there's there's zero chance this is the voice of God. And those are the times that I really really know that I'm hearing God. You know, I've been doing this for a lot of years. Now I want to back this up here. So there's all these times that God's talking to you and you're unsure that God is talking to you. Hi, Robert. This is the Holy Spirit. I, I know it's, this may not seem like one of those times when I'm talking to you. And I know it's really confusing and you're uncertain. But uh, really, the, no, this time, this time I'm, I'm talking to you, Robert. Speaks to you and it just shocks you. And this was one of those times. And those are the times that I really, really know that I'm hearing God. You know, I've been doing this for a lot of years. And, and, but I don't care how many, how long you've been doing it. Listen, there can always be a question mark. Is this really God or is this me? You know, really? So there's always a question mark. Now, here's the thing I open up my Bible, there's never a question mark. I open up my Bible, and the Word of God says the voice of God is in the text, and that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And God the Holy Spirit and the working of God the Holy Spirit is intimately linked with what is written in Scriptures, which the Holy Spirit caused to be written there. So never do I have a doubt when I am reading the Scriptures that I am, I'm a, well, was that the voice of God or not? I'm not sure. I have 100% certainty every time. And so here we got this weird thing going on here. Well, you know, you know, I, there's always uncertainty as to whether or not I'm hearing the voice of God or whether or not it's me. Believe me, it's not God then. Is this something I want or is this something God's saying? But on this particular time, it was two weeks before the COVID thing hit, and we didn't know it was coming. I didn't, we didn't know the whole world was going to shut down. And for those of us that travel, we didn't know we were about to be put on hiatus, you know, for a major part of the year. And, and so I didn't know any of that in the natural. So I'm praying this in this particular morning, and all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to me. Just as clear as a bell out of Matthew chapter 20 about the, about the. Out of Matthew chapter 20. Now watch what he does with a biblical text here. Laborers who worked in the vineyard. Remember that parable? And those who worked different hours of the day, the ones, the Bible says in, in Matthew 20 verse 1, it says that the first group that the, that the uh, master of the vineyard went out and. Now, this is 100% proof. This man is not hearing from God. And that what he's speaking is not from the voice of God. And say, well, what's the proof, Rosebro? The fact that he is twisting the text. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 20 and this particular parable that he is referencing. Let me go over here and we'll go to Matthew 20. All right. Here's the text. So Jesus is speaking, and we're going to just ask this question. Has any Christian from the time that Matthew was written until last year ever believed that this text has anything to do with COVID-19? You sit there and go, well, when you put it that way, the answer is obvious. No one's ever believed that. Right. Is this about that? No. You see, note here, this parable has something that Christ is trying to convey and it has nothing to do with COVID-19. So one of the sure signs you're dealing with a false teacher and a false prophet is that rather than helping you understand the meaning of the text, 
Instead, what they are doing is they are hijacking the text for the purpose of making it appear like God is speaking to them outside of the text. And what the text means is irrelevant. They're just using it for their own purposes, which we're not allowed to do. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. He did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when the hired first came, uh, uh, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to uh, one of them, friend, or actually the the Greek here, um, yeah, hey, Taros, um, <laughs> could be better translated like, hey, buddy. <laughs> Hey, buddy, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? And uh, you know, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity so the last will be first and the first will be last? So you're going to note here, this is a text really if if you want to talk about the nugget of it. And what we're going to do is we're going to put a link down below uh, to a sermon that I preached this past year on this text. Um, this came up as uh, one of the assigned texts uh, during this past summer, and I preached on this text. We'll put a link down below to that sermon, but let me just give you the nugget here. The basic idea here is that um, that salvation is a gift, and um, and it doesn't matter what time in your life you are you you profess faith in Christ whether you profess faith in Christ on your deathbed or you confess faith in Christ as a child uh, and you and you and you remain in that faith all the way through the, your entire life you are saved there's not super salvation and then salvation that's not what's going on here and, and so this is focusing on the generosity of Christ. Now, that, that's really an oversimplification of what Christ is saying here. But for the full teaching, I would point you to the sermon that I preached. And again, the link will be down below uh, where you can hear this out. But you're going to note here, there's nothing in here that is referring to COVID, any of the circumstances related to the fact that people were not able to travel. So what he's doing is he's hijacking this text where Christ is communicating to us a very, very real message that we all really need to hear and understand as his, Christ's, disciples. And what has he done? He's taken the words of Christ and says, it doesn't matter what that really means. What matters is, is that God spoke to me out of this text regarding something regarding COVID. No, he didn't. In fact, what Robert Henderson is doing here is blasphemous. Let's keep going. The first group, the scripture says, agreed with him. Now, that was the Jews. They See, they, they had an agreement with God called the law the old covenant, and that they agreed with the, with the master for uh, a, a denarius a day or for a day's wage. But then every other group that the master of the vineyard went out and hired, they went on the basis of whatever was right. In other words, they went on the basis of grace. We said They said, we trust your generosity. We trust your liberality. He's adding to the text. Another sign is a false teacher. We trust your... This is not the voice of God we're hearing here. Kindness and your goodness. And we don't know what you're going to pay us, but we're going on the basis of whatever is right. And it was Jesus showing them actually what was going to happen. That the Jews, literally underneath the old covenant, yeah, there was a blessing in that. But there was going to be a much more greater blessing attached to those who live from grace. And in the new... That has nothing to do with this text. Covenant. Does that make sense? So this is the whole thing that's going on here. 
So I'm, I'm aware of this parable. I mean, I've taught on it quite a bit about how to step out of legalism and into grace and get the, the greater blessing. So I'm. This text isn't about that. Saying this morning, and all of a sudden, the Lord says to me. All of a sudden, the Lord says to me. What he says. He said, I am about to pay you a day's wage for an hour's worth of work. No, he didn't. There's no reason to believe that was the voice of God or that that really happened. And I thought, how are you going to do that? Because I knew it had to do with travel. And I knew God was saying. These guys are great at spinning yards and tall tales and stuff like this. Is there proof that God told you this before the whole COVID thing hit? Travel is about to stop. You're about to stop traveling. Now I didn't know what was. I didn't know the whole world was going to stop traveling. He said. He said you're about to stop traveling, but don't worry. I'm actually going to pay you a day's wage for an hour's worth of work. Now watch where he goes with this. He's sitting. There, I mean, even if you're like tempted to think, well, maybe maybe God did tell him that. There's more coming that'll prove beyond a shadow of a doubt this guy is a fraud. He's a huckster. And I knew it was God. And I felt his faith rise in my heart. And I told my wife, I said, God said something really crazy to me. And I told her, and I said, I don't know exactly what that means. I just know that we're really about to get blessed. Well, here's what happened. Um, it, we know it all came to a screeching halt instantly. And so all of us began to go online. Well, here's what happened with us. The Lord had also, I got to tell you, the Lord had also given me three distinct dreams. All right, so three distinct dreams on top of this. Okay. Uh, again, notice what's, uh, what he's not preaching from. Yeah, the, the, where we know the voice of God it really is, that's just sitting there. He's totally ignoring it. Okay. Where I had seen in the dreams me holding conferences on other planets. Well, get to it. I would like you to leave this one, you know, and stop plaguing us with your false voices of God on this planet. Get on with it. Go preach to the ones on the other planets, please. What on earth? Also, I got to tell you, the Lord had also given me three distinct dreams where I had seen in the dreams me holding conferences on other planets. One dream, I was holding a conference on another planet, and I knew that when I began to travel home, I was actually going to have to go, uh, you know, from another planet back to my home instead of just across the nation somewhere. And then a second dream, in a second dream, my, my staff, which is mostly my children and their spouses, had, had built a rocket and was able to pilot it to the moon and back. Well, isn't that just spiffy? Again, the real voice of God is being uh, completely ignored. That's where God's voice, according to the scriptures, is promises to be. And instead, we're getting this claim that his friends can build a rocket ship and pilot it to the moon and back. And in the third dream, I took off in an airplane and went to the space station. And I thought, what did all of this had to do with... You know, out of this world stuff. I remember I actually said to Jeremy, I remember now, last last December, I said to Jeremy, I said, I had this dream about holding conferences on other planets. I'm trying to figure out what it means. When this happened, God said, I'm about to launch you into the virtual world. That's what he said. He said, I'm taking you out of. So God said, I'm about to launch you into the virtual world. He was already doing his work online virtually before COVID hit. It's the natural world of travel. I'm going to launch you. So here's what happened. We began to go online. We began to do all this. I'm telling you, God is my witness. Finances increase did not diminish. All right. So now he's got financial increase. And there's something here. You can see this is this is the bait on the hook. I'll show you where the hook is in a second. Finances enlarged and did not go down. Because God had promised me he was going to pay me a day's wage for an hour's worth of work. And we... Everybody who is saved by grace through faith earns or gives, gets from Christ a day's wage. That's it's, They don't earn it. It's given to them out of the generosity of Christ. Everybody who is saved gets a day's wage. 
seeing the blessing of God come in an incredible way. Now, you say, well, why would that, how, how did that happen? Well, I actually heard the word of the Lord concerning it, but I want to give you a principle tonight. Mm, so he heard the, how did this happen? I, well, I'm going to give you the word of the Lord regarding it, but here's the principle. That the Lord actually showed me that will allow us to tap this, because this is what I believe. I believe that God has given me the right and the authority to pray that same blessing over people's lives. Mm. So, there you go. The Bible sits behind his back. That's where the voice of God promises to be. And he's telling everybody that he has the ability to impart this particular blessing where you too can make a day's wage for only an hour's worth of work. The guy's a charlatan. He's teaching for shameful gain the things he ought not to teach. One thing we know for a fact, God ain't talking to him. If God were talking to him, believe me, God's words would not be uh, ones of kindness or things like this. The word that he would hear first from the voice of God is repent. This man is breaking the commandment that says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. He is speaking words that God has not given him to speak. He is telling us about voices that are not the voice of God and then claiming he has the ability to impart to people uh, the same blessing, the blessing to earn an entire day's wage for just an hour's worth of work. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah, let, let me back it up. Listen again. Tonight, that the Lord actually showed me that will allow us to tap this because this is what I believe. I believe that God has given me the right and the authority to pray that same blessing over people's lives. So that instead of, instead of things being diminished, things will be enlarged. How many believe that God's able to do that? Mm -hmm. And he has in, in, in that he has the authority to impart that blessing. No, he doesn't. I mean, that blessing is as real, as real as Santa Claus. That's, this is nuts. So this isn't the voice of God. And anybody who is listening to Robert Henderson, to Jeremy Miranda Nelson, and, believe, and, and the whole cadre of people in the NAR who walk in these circles, that they are hearing the voice of God, these people are deluded. Th this is a strong delusion. This is nonsense. But if you just apply what the scripture says and ask yourself the question, is there any legitimate reason to believe that's the voice of God biblically? The answer comes back, no way, Jose. In fact, there's every biblical reason, especially his twisting of Matthew 20, to believe this man is not hearing God's voice, that God doesn't want you listening to people like this. He wants you to mark and to avoid them. And this is where I, I do believe uh, th uh, Third John might be helpful. Third John. Let me let me get there here. Uh, so I was in Second John. Let's see here. Third John. All right. Oh, no. I do believe it's Second John in this particular case as well. Let's go back into the context of Second John. All right. To the elect... To the elder, the elect lady, and her children, whom I love in the truth. Second John chapter uh, verse one. Uh, but I also know the, who also know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. So you'll note here this is written to the elect lady and to her children, and this is basically written to a woman who who uh, there's a church that meets in her home. Remember, this is the days before there were church property. Christianity wasn't legal, uh, and so people met secretly in people's homes. And so John writes to her, grace, mercy, and peace uh, will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ and the Father's Son in true love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. Now, we ask you, dear lady, as not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but one we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who 
do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. So we're going to keep going and see where this goes. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. Now here, house, the context is a church. All right. So you're going to know this is not saying, you know, that if somebody is an unbeliever, they're not allowed in your house. The context, this is in the context of a house church. So if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the true teaching of the apostles and the prophets, they've gone on ahead beyond. You don't receive them into your church. God does not will for you to listen to them. He wants you to mark and avoid them and give them no platform whatsoever. And so Robert Henderson is somebody that you are not to be listening to and saying, yeah, well, he's bringing me the word of God. No, he's not. He's bringing you false words, a voice that is not the voice of God, and it's demonstrable that that's the case. Now, one more, we'll give one more example. We'll throw this one in for good measure. Um, while I was out preparing for this uh, this episode of Fighting for the Faith, uh, saw an advertisement for this installment of from the It's Supernatural Network uh, and uh, the the, the uh, Tracy Cook. I saw what's ahead in the 2020s. Tracy Cook, uh, if you've followed us through this year, then you know that we noted that early on in the year, back at the end of March, Dr. Michael Brown, whom we refer as the uh, to as the Apostle of Obfuscation. He was claiming that two particular prophets gave very specific words um, regarding 2020 and what would be happening in 2020. And they were Tracy Cook as well as Chuck Pierce. And uh, and Michael Brown was holding out hope against against all hope that uh, these men had actually heard the voice of God telling them what would take place in the year 2020. And both of them were keying in on uh, the fact that there would be some kind of a diminishing of the shaking. Yeah, get your prophecy bingo uh, cards out. There would be a diminishing of the shaking at the time of Passover. And, well, that didn't happen. (laughs) Like, not even close. And so Tracy Cook, this is a guy who has flat out been discredited. He's not somebody who's hearing the voice of God. Yet, the It's Supernatural Network just had him on. This is from December 14th, 2020. And we're going to note uh, that uh, about the, at the time I'm recording this, today is the 15th. So it's the day after uh, this, is, uh, this was put out by the It's Supernatural Network. And they've already got 91,000 views. So that means there's a whole lot of people on YouTube going, please tell us what is what is the God saying is going to come in 2020? And they're looking to Tracy Cook. Well, let's go back in time, all right? Uh, from the It's Supernatural, Sid Roth's It's Supernatural from January 15th of 2020, 20 prophetic words for 2020. Here's what Tracy Cook said. See if you can make any sense of this. Hello, I'm Trace Allen Cook here to tell you what God's going to do in 2020. 2020 is a time where God's going to deal with the landscape of the church, the broken vows of the glory. Samson. What's a broken vow of the glory? How many syllables is that? Glory. Too many. It's a type of the strength that the church has entered into, but has lost the foresight of understanding who Christ is. So in 2020, you're going to start seeing numerous things take place. God's going to cause us to expedite time. God's going to cause us to expedite time. Um. Any of you out there watching, um, were there uh, any time expedi- expeditings that <laughs> took place? I, 2020 seemed to just drag on because we were all locked up in our houses. Some of you that have gone through things in your life and feel like... Uh why is there such a delay in my life and seem like my promises are delayed or the prophetic words are, are you, you're in ministry or what have you. And God told me in 2020, we're going to see him expedite prophecy, dreams, visions. He's going to expedite them. 
How'd that work out? You've been believing God for the last several years that took so long. And it goes back to Samson. The church has started out with great strength, but we got into a place where we had broken our vows. Now, the twisting of the story of Samson, proof positive. He is a false prophet. That's not what the story of Samson's about. So I call it the broken vows of the glory where God in 2020 is going to go back to a place, bring us back to a place where we're going to have true repentance. We're going to walk back. If there was true repentance, you would hang up your ministry altogether and walk away because you've been proven to be a false prophet who doesn't hear the voice of God. To a place of true holiness, true repentance, we're going to get our attention back on God and get away from man. Uh, he's the sender of our lives to begin with. So you're going to start seeing some of this in 2020. Now, God's going to deal with the landscape of the church in 2020. He's going to begin to unravel the grounds that you walk on. And you're going to start seeing a lot. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken in the next four months. Just four months. Yeah, I, you know, I, I seem to think that we're, what, we're nine months into uh, the uh, two weeks to flatten the curve now. Um, yeah, the shaking's gone on a little longer than four months. Uh, even in 2020. So you're going to start seeing that in 2020. But I encourage you as a prophetic voice also that remember, he's going to expedite your prophecies, your visions, your dreams, your desires. He's going to expedite them, which doesn't make any sense. What does that even mean? You're going to step out the corner realm. You're going to step into the spiritual realm. You're going to come out of that place of defeat into victory. You're going to start seeing nature preach and nature prophesy this. Is there any reason to believe this is the voice of God? This is what he said was coming in 2020. Has that turned out to be the case? Was God the one speaking these words and having and saying, Hi, uh, Tracy, this is the Holy Spirit. Um, would you let everybody know that I'm going to be expediting prophecy in, uh, in the year 2020 in the landscape of the spiritual realm? Could you let everybody know that for me, please? This isn't the voice of God. None of these people are giving us the voice of God. Not one. And so it is absolutely mind-boggling, and I mean mind-boggling, that yesterday – this video appeared on the It's Supernatural Network, and it has almost 100,000 views already. And listen, listen to uh, what uh, – When God goes. shows you things to come, yes, events, world events, yes, sir. political events. Yes. No, he doesn't. God didn't show you nothing about nothing for 2020. So what is God showing you? God's not showing him nothing. The guy's a liar. For this decade that we're in right now. This decade that we're in. Notice the name of the series. Something more. Scripture's not enough, so you need something more. Um, I said it here on the show at the beginning. Every, in the first four months, everything can be shaken, will be shaken. And that began to um, come to pass. And the Lord showed me that even the latter part of this year, it's going to be time. I want to encourage people that this, even no matter what you've seen this year, even at the beginning of this decade, this is going to be a time where God's going to start bringing everything that enemy tried to take from us or tried to uh, take away from the church or take away from the body of Christ. The man's not saying anything. This isn't the voice of God. We are a purpose person. The purpose of you and the purpose of revival. Where the church, it's, it's like a, uh, how the Lord showed me was uh, two things. The church has lost its strength. You said that last year. We have broken our vows. Like you, you said that last year. You, and you used Samson. And again, that has nothing to do with the story of Samson. Samson did. So we had to restore our vows. And the only way to get, if that's the time of restoration, that's what's come at the end of this year. And how the Lord showed me was this. He's not saying anything. This is not the voice of God. Second thing was the prophets in the Bible, the young prophet and the older prophet, he lost the axe head. It was borrowed. He lost the axe head. Uh-huh. And the axe head began to sink. But No, it was totally on the bottom of the river, man. And he went back and he got to the older prophet and said, this is where you, you lost the revelation. This is where you lost. Nope, they've added to that text. That's not what that text says at all. The insight. And the Lord began to speak to me, Bob, that he's given us our insight back. we got to get. The church had its insight back. Then they would they would run you out on a rail. 
And you would never be allowed to darken the doorstep of anything, even remotely calling itself a church. A revelation of who Christ is and get our attention uh, fully on him. And what I see taking place, uh, a lot of dreams and vision. But what God's going to do, the encouraging side of this is going to draw the body of Christ back unto himself. He's going to uh, draw us back to the altars where the altars become significant again. Because that's where it begins at anyways, at the altars. Now, what's going to happen? This man isn't hearing the voice of God at all. That's not the voice of God. And it's time for people who call themselves Christians to say enough is enough. 2020 has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. These people are not hearing God's voice. The voice of God, according to God, is found in the scriptures, the writings of the prophets and the apostles. I know every time I read the scriptures, I'm hearing the voice of God. I think you get the idea. A little lab work today I thought would be fun. So hopefully you found this helpful. And, you know, and you'll note here that what I've shown you as examples, even today, this is standard fare within the charismatic movement and the NAR. And these are the empty words that they bring forward claiming that this is the voice of God speaking and over and over and over again, aside from it being complete gibberish, utter nonsense, words that contradict the scriptures or words that hijack the scriptures and evacuate them of the real meaning. Uh, these are people who contradict God's word straight up, and they're not bringing us God's voice. And scripture says we're not to give them a platform in the church. That's the paraphrase of what we read in 2 John. Do not let them into your house. And, and so God does not will for us to listen to these people. They're not bringing me anything, anything even remotely close to what God has said or is saying. So what would you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>